if you think about the data that you have underneath you, if, if you're trying, the, the place that you have to start is what question am I trying to answer? Um, and then that can lead you to what data do I have available to try and answer that question? Buyer behavior isn't the same and the old sales funnel is no longer relevant. So Square 2 is smashing the funnel and encouraging businesses to think differently about their approach to marketing, sales, customer service, and revenue generation. Join us for season two of Smash the Funnel, the podcast. This season with an amazing lineup of industry experts will focus on revenue performance measurement and optimization. And now for your host, Mike Lieberman, CEO and Chief Revenue Scientist at Square Two. Hey everyone, welcome to season two, episode three of Smash the Funnel, the podcast. I'm Mike Lieberman, and in episode three, we're going to be talking about how to take analytics and turn it into insight. Just to remind you, last episode, we talked to Angie O'Dowd. She's the director of partner marketing at HubSpot, and we had a great conversation with her about revenue metrics and how complex today's revenue equation is and how you consider marketing sales and customer service as drivers of revenue. So if you're interested in that, take a look back at... uh, uh, the previous episode. Today, we're going to talk to someone that I've been trying to get on the show for some time, Mike Donnelly. He's the CEO at Seven Cents. And we're going to talk about a topic that's really important to me. And that's how to uncover insights from the huge collection of analytics and data that a lot of us are exposed to day in and out. So Mike, welcome to the show. And thanks for joining us. Mike, great to uh, be on and, and, and appreciate you reaching, reaching out and also any of the listeners for listening. <laughs> Great. Awesome. So let's get started. Uh, give me a little bit of background into what you did before Seven Cents and why you decided the world needed a company like Seven Cents. Yeah, sure thing. Uh, so started my career as a software engineer for a biotech company. It was actually the biotech company that mapped the human genome. Um, so that was an interesting, very interesting experience. And then I made the jump to the dark side of technology sales. Uh, so I was in enterprise tech sales for the better part of about 13 years. And one of the things that I just kind of started recognizing, and this is where we lead into, uh, you know, building seven cents was reaching both prospective and existing customers was just getting harder and harder and harder. Mm-hmm. And as I would go and sit down and have lunch with them or drinks or dinner, and I would say, hey, this project's getting delayed the immediate response was, why is the getting, why is the project getting delayed? And the, these, I would have to respond that, Hey, I've sent you, you haven't responded to my last three, four emails. You haven't returned my last two voicemails. And the resounding response was always Mike. I never saw it. Mm -hmm. I get literally hundreds of emails a day. I can't keep up with it all. Um, And so what I would do is I would pay attention to if I want to reach Dave Sheedy at Comscore, who was an old customer of mine, I knew intuitively that he would respond to me between 9 and 11 uh, in the morning, whereas Kyle Knack at National Geographic, he would intuitively respond to me between, you know, the hours of 5 and 6 o'clock at night. Britton Miller at Discovery Communications, intuitively, I knew that he would respond to me between 10 and 11 o'clock at night. So I would do my work when it was convenient for me. I would use tools like SendLater Mm -hmm. to send an email to them. But then one day it dawned on me, why am I spending so much mental energy trying to figure out these people's patterns when it's all just sitting there in my data? Um, and that's ultimately where the, the premise of where we, you know, we had a hypothesis that we could uncover uh, insights from email data, marketing automation data, and that's what led to the founding of the company. Isn't that where the best ideas come from? Like you're, you're trying to do it and do it and do it, and you're like, this is just not 
the best way to do it. Yeah. That's <laughs> let's, great. Yeah, let's hope so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so speaking of data, let's start at the micro level. So when I talk to marketers or even CEOs, a lot of them are just really overwhelmed today by the sheer amount of data. I mean, even if you're using like a single platform product like Salesforce or HubSpot or Mar Marketo, there's so much data in there. And then you have this other scenario where you might actually have a tech stack with six or seven tools running on top of a piece of platform software and you have all this information. Um, are you seeing the same thing? And, and how do you help your clients cut through the clutter and focus on the most important metrics? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you said, I think every organization, whether or not they, they know it or not, they are literally drowning in, in, in available data to them. Now, again, some people are taking advantage of that data and some people just, they, they, they have no idea that what I term is black gold. Mm -hmm. It's sitting within their CRM systems, their marketing automation platforms, their email systems, et cetera. Um, and, and what I always, you know, this goes back years and years and years of being in enterprise tech store, enterprise tech sales, where I focused on data storage is, um, you know, if you think about the data that you have underneath you, if, if you're trying, the, the place that you have to start is what question am I trying to answer? Um, and then that can lead you to what data do I have available to try and answer that question? Far too often, I've seen this over and over again in my career, people are just kind of like perusing their data, saying that, hey, we're doing big data, we're crunching it in this way and that way, and they really glean no insight from it. Um, and maybe they'll glean a, a small piece of insight, but it's not, it's not completely actionable. And that's why I say kind of start with the question or what am I trying to answer, and then back into what data do I have available to answer that question. That's really good advice. And one of the things I see people really struggling with is uh, how to get the insight out of the data, right? They do have tons of dashboards and tons of spreadsheets and tons of information, but it's almost like, like uncovering that insight is not something, first of all, the tools don't give you any insights. And we'll, we'll talk about that at the very end, but um, you really have to learn how to uncover those insights. And I think your advice of kind of, having that question that you're trying to answer might be a good starting point for where to find that insight. Like, where do I look for this data to answer this question? And how do I go about figuring out the answer to this question might actually uncover that insight. And that's what I see is usually like the first challenge is pulling the insight out of the data. And then you mentioned it too. The next big challenge is, well, what do I do with this? Right? So just because I have this insight doesn't mean someone's going to know how to respond to it and create, a change to their program to produce the desired results. Absolutely. I mean, that's exactly spot on um, is first identify the question, see if you have access to the data, grab that insight. And then, you know, can I, can I, or can I not make this, this, this component uh, or this insight actionable? Nice. So we're at a party, right? And you and I are we're having a drink and we're nerding out on analytics. So, Tell me, what numbers would you suggest I pay the closest attention to as it relates to email marketing? And obviously, that's your thing. But if you have some other marketing numbers in general that you think are interesting, like where, where should I pay attention? Uh, start with email marketing. So if, if we look at email, our, uh, email marketing just as in general, so many people spend so much time on open rates, click rates, which are 
you know, while in some instances they're vanity metrics and others they're uh, leading indicators, but what I always like to, what I encourage people to, to really think about is what is your activated audience? And then you can really start thinking about how do I activate more people on my email program? Um, what am I doing wrong? What am I doing right? Um, and what I mean by active, activated audience, so I'll just give it to you in a very simplistic way. Uh, a lot of marketers, um, their conventional wisdom thinks, if I have a 20% open rate, that means one out of every five emails that I'm sending to people, they're opening. It's actually the exact opposite. Um, typically, what you're, you'll find is that maybe 10 to 15%, maybe 20% of your overall audience, which actually is a bad number, is activated at any one point in time. Uh, meaning they're engaging with you, they're opening your emails, they're clicking your emails, they're uh, visiting your website, they're, they're highly interactive. While that other 80% is really just doing nothing, but it's almost like you and I are having a conversation, or not even a conversation, I'm speaking to you and you're not listening. Right. Like in, 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 if we were in person, if I kept talking and I could tell in your voice or tell in your face that you're not listening to me, you can actually do the same thing with email marketing, but a lot of people don't pay attention to it. They just keep talking until their subscribers either unsubscribe, mark them as spam, or completely just disassociate with their brand. Mm -hmm. And all of these email providers, Google, Microsoft, corporate spam systems are recognizing that mm -hmm. and facing, a, you know, they're, they're waging a war on spammers. Therefore, if that 80% is not interacting with you, it's going to be harder to even reach the inbox of the 20% of people that are listening. To you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it's a kind of, a, I know, like, I think Gary Vanderchuk says like marketers ruin everything, but we, we really did kind of, I mean, it's just so easy to, to run an email marketing campaign these days that it's almost no one even cares who's yep. listening or who's opening. It's just like something that you, you do because you feel like you're, doing something you can check a box you know yeah we sent three emails out this month to you know 30,000 people like you know it doesn't a lot of people don't even care what the response rate is and what the click-through rate is it's just just that easy marketing tactic that everybody can do but you know we're really like we're really ruining it for for everybody yeah and I you know that, that's a very interesting point you know so if you think back maybe five six seven years ago um, you know, everybody, and even in today's world, everybody's like social, social, social. I think people are starting to pull back a little bit on that now that, you know, all these revelations have come to, uh, come out around Facebook and yeah. Google and the way that they're using your, your data. But if you really think about your social audience, you're truly just running that audience. And I would agree completely with you that, Hey, once I own an email marketing platform or marketing automation system, or I'm have a subscription to one, it doesn't cost me anything to send email, but it actually does where the real cost comes in is the, the attention of the recipient. Right. And the unfortunate part about that is if you think about a marketer, one of the core pieces of intellectual property that any organization owns is their email list. Mm -hmm. They own their email list. They own the ability to reach them. They own the ability to either get them to, you know, engage or not engage. Um, so there is a real cost to email marketing when it comes to the recipient side of things versus, you know, internally, it's like you said, it doesn't really cost me anything to send email. I need more leads this month. I'm just going to send more email. Yeah. Yeah. Do you happen to remember, this was pretty, pretty far back. Like AOL was still like, uh, AOL was still a thing that people were pretty into. There was some talk about 
charging to send an email, almost like a stamp on a letter. Yep. Uh, do you remember that? I do. Yeah, that would have been really interesting if we had to pay like a penny for every email we sent or, or two or three cents for every email we sent. I, the, the world would have been so different and people would have had such a different approach to marketing if and email marketing specifically if we had to like put some costs associated with sending that email on a per percent basis. I, 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 yeah. I, I would love to go back to those ideas and revisit that idea. Yeah. I don't know who would have got the money. <laughs> Maybe yeah. it was AOL at the time, but yeah, that, that would have been really interesting. Uh, really good stuff, Mike. Um, um, so let's see, obviously I got to pay you a compliment and I'm not so objective in terms of, you know, your product, we're a partner of yours. We use your software. Um, it's had a major impact on improving our email campaign performance, but tell the listeners a little bit about what clients see in terms of Lyft when they start getting a little smarter about email marketing. Um, well, first and foremost, thank, thanks for the, thanks for the compliment. So it, I would say it, as far as Lyft is concerned, it ranges. Um, and the reason why I say it ranges is if you're sending somebody, if you're sending your entire audience an email every single day and half your audience, three quarters of your audience isn't listening, your Lyft is going to be, a lot less than if, hey, we're very strategic about our emails, uh, our email marketing efforts, um, and we send, I don't know, one email a week to our highly engaged, one email uh, every other week to people that are kind of in that middle ground, and then maybe one email a month to our disengaged. And I'm just giving a yeah, giving you an example. Um, as far as engagement rates, we or, or Lyft, we've seen through extensive A/B testing. Um, Anywhere from about an, I don't know, eight to 15% increase in just open rates. Um, and then when you think about click rates, um, anywhere from typically around 15 to 25%. We've had some very large B2C organizations that have seen significantly higher um, lift in just their overall email marketing programs, including revenue, purely by utilizing the time at which they send. Hmm. Um, so time is one thing, but then where we're really kind of focusing our efforts these days, as far as not only development, but also enhancing our AI engine is all around frequency of how often you're sending, uh, people email, because Sarah may want to interact with you every single day because that she, she's in total information gathering mode. Whereas Scott, he may be thinking about a project that's nine months from now. We should not be treating Sarah and Scott the exact same because we just overload Scott. It's highly likely that he's going to push back in one way, shape, or form. Again, through right. unsubscribe, spam complaint, or and then you won't be um, able to talk to him when his project is ready. Exactly. Right. Not only that, when enough Scotts happen, that affects our ability to reach Sarah. Right. Um, so you know. Uh, those are again some of the challenges in some of the areas that we're that we're really focused on as a So you're you're looking at adding some features that will basically help marketers better figure out the frequency based on the behavior of their list, right? Based on not only their list, but based on every single individual that they interact with. Yeah, um, I like that. Some think of it as like gauges or RPM meters that show you kind of like what your activated audience looks like this month versus last month versus the last 90 days mm -hmm. so that you can watch that dial either go up or down as far as kind of the, the frequency and volume at which cool. you're sending to. I like that a lot. 
Thank you. So um, enough of the softballs. Let's let's dig into this a little bit. So how does the yep. Seven Cents marketing team get insights from all your data? Is there a methodology you use? Are there any special tools, uh, any processes? How do you uncover those nuggets that inform your decision-making around your own company's marketing? So around our own company's marketing, um, we use a, a lot of different tools, uh, things like we, you know, we utilize HubSpot pretty much across the board, whether it's through their CMS, um, obviously they're capturing a tremendous amount of data there, um, through HubSpot sales, HubSpot marketing. Uh, so we've got kind of that as our underlying platform on top of, uh, you know, sitting on top of that, we have some custom reporting that we, um, that we've built internally mm -hmm. uh, using a product called Jupiter, which is really a big data thing so that we can try to uncover insights of what's working, what's not. Mm -hmm. um, we utilize tools like Lucky Orange to mm -hmm. do heat mapping, et cetera. Um, another tool which has been a massive win for us is a company called Odd Content. Um, and, Odd, and that's in o -O -D -D? O -Z, o -Z, o -Z. OZ, okay, Oz, content. But in essence, we've been able to write articles that have a good search volume um, and, and rank first page of Google. And a lot of instances were ranking page, you know, uh, first, second, or third, literally within two to three weeks. Hmm. Um, and again, they're, they're more focused a little bit more on long tail keywords. I'll give you an, I'll give you a, for instance, mm -hmm. uh, we, we wrote a report. We wrote a article at the end of December called Email Marketing Best Practices for 2019. Within two weeks, we were ranking on the first page. Um, and you would think that that's a pretty, it, 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 they do yeah, have a high I, I would think yeah, a lot of people are writing about that. Yes. Right. Um, so within the first two weeks, we were ranking on the first page of Google. And I think right now we're maybe at two or three uh, as far as our ranking is concerned. Um, and so that has been a huge driver, literally to our uh, just organic search traffic. We have, uh, we've doubled every single month for the past four months. Now, eventually that becomes unattainable, right? Um, but we're seeing a huge up and to the right hockey stick as far as organic search. Um, and that is driving some new opportunities for us, even though we're a very specialized solution. Hmm, interesting. So Oz content, I mean, obviously the title's not that innovative. Is it the content that they're telling, they're helping you create that gets it ranked? It's content, keyword, keyword density, mm -hmm. uh, you know, focusing on kind of those long tail uh, keywords so that you can start, you know, building up your domain authority, et cetera. Because what we're finding is once we, once we started ranking for more and more posts, the next thing you know, getting rankings for other long-term, uh, long-tail keywords was just getting easier and easier and easier. Mm -hmm. Nice. Um, you mentioned it a little bit when you were talking about what you're up to with seven cents, but I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, AI and artificial intelligence. So um, are you, uh, besides trying to build that into your product, are you trying to leverage AI at all in terms of, uh, finding more insight and direction to produce better results? So seven cents, the, the whole premise or thing is, is, is true AI slash machine learning. Um, the, one of the challenges that I, that I find in the market is there's a lot of folks claiming to be, uh, to have AI or machine learning or whatever buzzword, you know, of the day you want to utilize, but a lot of them aren't truly doing AI. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So how do you define that? What, what would the difference be? How, how could I uncover that if I'm looking at two different solutions? So if you're, the easiest way to think about it is if you're feeding the system more data and the, and the system is getting smarter and then the predictions are getting smarter over time, that's really the definition of, of AI mm -hmm. um, in today's world. And I think there's a lot of technologies that are out there that have predisposed, if this happens, do this. If this happens, do this. So the model is completely trained that no matter how much data it slurps up based on those trainings, it's not going to get any smarter about a prediction. Mm -hmm. Think about you know, in today's world with a lot of chatbots. You can only move them in so many directions. The chatbot doesn't get smarter over time. You have to predefine what the outcome is right. based off of the user interacting in this way, shape, or form. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So that must make it a little more difficult for you to differentiate 7 Cents from some other products when a lot of people aren't really clear exactly what AI means, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. So there's there's obviously always an educational process for, uh, you know, for most and um, we're, we're always happy to have those, uh, have those discussions. I mean, it is, we're on the forefront of kind of this AI, um, you know, AI journey. Got it. Mike, thanks a lot. It was really great chatting with you and your comments were really insightful. Thank you so much for joining us. So in this episode, we talked about how to take analytics and Turn them into insights with Mike Donnelly, the CEO at Seven Cents. In our next episode, we're going to continue the conversation around turning insights into action and how to optimize program performance with co-founder and president of AI-powered insights and recommendations engine, Max G. His name is Gabe Wahab. He'll be our guest, and he's going to introduce us to one of the, the new tools on the product, which we're calling Max G. Actually analyzes your marketing data and then provides you insights and recommendations. It'll also prioritize your recommendations based on your goals. Really looking forward to talking to Gabe about that. So Mike, thank you again for joining us. Really appreciated your comments and your insights and let's smash your funnel. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, Mike. <laughs>